We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sanders gets it left side. Big room and a touchdown for Sanders. His second. Throws to the end zone. Touchdown. Adam Thielen makes the catch. Throws over the middle. It's caught by the former Raven. Hayden Hurst reaches for the goal line. In for the touchdown. Deep one. End zone. Caught. Touchdown. DJ Chark, the over-the-shoulder grab. And now Brady under pressure, and he's brought down. Back at the 27-yard line by Brian Burns. And it's picked. J.C. Horn. Panthers have it, and will score. It's taken into the end zone by Jeremy Chin. Bryce Young, off play action, deep ball, into the end zone. Oh, what a throw on the money for the touchdown. All right, Panthers fans, it is that time of year again where the humidity reigns supreme and there's hope in the air. But for the first time in several years, that hope could actually translate to results as Carolina enters a new regime, a new era with head coach Frank Reich, an all-star staff of assistant coaches, and the number one overall pick, Bryce Young out of Alabama. It all starts this weekend. Rookies report Saturday. I'm John Ellis. Billy Marshall joins me momentarily. This is the Roar podcast on Blue Wire. We're back for season four. And you know what? When you make it through some of the hard times, and those were some hard days the past few years, some ups and downs, it makes these days feel a little more sweeter. You guaranteed nothing, folks, but this feels like a team that has a lot of potential, not just this year, but long-term in this division. Throughout the course of this show, Billy and I are going to talk about position groups. We're going to keep it real with you, tell you where this team could be a little deficient, some concerns we have about a few players with their health, but also give you an idea of what you can be looking forward to in terms of personnel, in terms of ideas on this coaching staff. It's a whole new era. It's a whole new season on Blue Wire. The Roar Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Billy Marshall, and as always, joined by my co-host, John Ellis. John, it's been a little bit of a summer hiatus for the both of us. How are you? Man, I couldn't be better, Billy. It's like I said on Twitter the other day, this is kind of my favorite time of year where you get past the doldrums of the offseason. We've seen the the heat wave that was July and come and go, and I'm sure August will be even hotter, but I tell you what I'm doing. I've got a cup here, and I'm pouring one out for the DBO sign, and it's going to be interesting to see (laughs) a new regime. Uh, Best of luck to Coach Rule and his staff out in Nebraska. No hard feelings from the Roar podcast, but I can't wait to be at Wofford in uh, a matter of five days now when camp opens, Billy, to see Frank and, uh, of course, Deuce Staley and Jim Caldwell. I'm nerding out, my friend. I can't wait to watch this very uh, young, promising team get after it, my friend. Yes, and as many of you longtime listeners are aware, uh, the past two off-season or training camps, John has been uh, reporting live on the ground uh, and then coming back on the podcast, presenting his observations of camp. Um, He will continue to do that. And uh, I think the past two years, he's been running solo because I've been usually traveling this time of the year, but I took care of all my vacations earlier in the summer, so I'll be happy to be joined joining john uh for those recap uh camp shows Hell yeah. uh, in a few days i think i mean five days like you said five so, days man you know it's just it's been a longer summer than usual in my opinion just because like usually this time of the summer there's like another like um 
a sporting event that kind of takes up the calendar, but like the World Cup happened in yeah, like the winter yeah. and the women's World Cup just started like yesterday. So like usually like in June and July, there's like something to keep us occupied and uh, it's that yeah, the NBA zone. finals kind of ran kind of yeah, quickly. Really, too, it's, so. that, it's that dead zone where like if you're an NFL fanatic like we are, I mean, this is what we do. So, I mean, we follow the sports. You're a big soccer guy. I'm a big golf guy. I'm trying to enjoy the open championship right now, but there's like one guy winning by five and everybody else is shooting in the 80s. So it's no fun to watch that. And, and you know, here's the deal. We're less than two weeks away now from the Hall of Fame game. And I never thought I'd say this, but let's freaking go. I can't wait because it's been, like you said, a longer than usual offseason. Um, yeah, you get to those doldrums of July. It's like, damn, there ain't nothing to talk about. Let's manufacture some running back commentary if we have to. Um, but no, man, yeah, you're right. I can't wait to do some pods with you uh, remotely and, and even live eventually, man. And training camp, like I said, it, there's a lot of excitement here in the upstate. Uh, this is year, what, 29, 28 that this uh, training camp returns to Spartanburg, which is right around the corner from where I live. And uh, it means a lot to the community here. So to have Frank Wright coming back home, who I think is a very good coach, by the way, and he's also the first quarterback to ever throw a touchdown in this franchise's history. You bet you old Johnny Nostalgia here is loving that. Yeah, for sure. So as we get into you know this upcoming season and looking forward to training camp, you know, the main purpose of camp is not only to install your so I think a lot of the installation happened during the OTA and mini camp period. And in my opinion, I think training camp is very important for uh, competitions. And you look for uh, certain position groups where you can dwindle the roster from 90 to 53. Obviously, you're the guys with the guaranteed money and the individuals who uh, you know get drafted pretty high they're pretty safe uh you know they have a safe roster spot as all things concerned but but obviously there's still competition there might be an individual who you know is guaranteed a roster spot but one of these undrafted rookies could potentially take it with an impressive showing so you know as we look forward to this camp i want to focus first on some of these uh, position battles that will be taking yeah. place i, I want to first start on uh, the defensive line, mainly at the edge rusher spot. Uh, you know, Brian Burns is obviously the, you know, the stalwart, the leader. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy to say that. I mean, it feels like yesterday when he was drafted. Um, Playing you know, gunner it, for Ron Rivera. Yeah, those are the yeah. days. <laughs> um, yeah, but for this position group, it, it's been a little bit of a um, an area where many expected Carolina to address. They did do it. Uh, on the third round, they traded up for DJ Johnson, but I don't think that type of investment um, signals any type of um, you know, comfortability at this position yeah. opposite of Brian Burns. So as we head into next week, what are you looking forward to with the edge rusher, respectively? Yeah, I mean, part of this component, Billy, is getting used to a, a little bit of a different flavor of how we align in terms of defensive structure. I mean, you've had Cody Alexander on the pod uh, a couple of times, and I've, I've spoken to him also, and then he's been a great resource to help us understand the coverage components. But but there's some differences there in how Burns is being trained up, it seems like, in terms of his own personal training in the offseason. I was talking to his uh, brother, our good friend Stanley McClover, and, and you know, without talking out of school here the bottom line is they're they're working on getting him ready to do a little more than just put his hand in the dirt and rush and that's the component of uh, what is a base three four defense and you know I guess what I'm most interested in from the starter level positions is the deployment of Frankie Louvu um, because he's so good like I was watching some tape of him again this summer Billy when we were killing time in these uh the dog days of summer as, as it is right now and He's got the the motor on the edge. He's got the dip. He can get it done, but he's very good stacked up there in the middle, and he'll need to be in, in the run game. I think he was close to the league lead or, or at the top in tackles for loss last year. Um, so I'd like to see how Evero over the course of the preseason, because as we always talk about, Billy, the first few days of camp, let's just kind of get our feet wet here, get to know everybody. Some guys will be in shorts and in shells, and then we'll hit the pads, and then the first preseason game comes, which will be against Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, by the way, and we'll get to see kind of what these alignments look like. I'm fascinated by that. I guess Marquise Haynes is another name to look out for. 
Um, Joe Person wrote a, a really good piece on his uh, website, theathletic.com, and he kind of compared him to Mario Addison, and, and I see some of that. Uh, I, I've always liked Haynes, but I, I still think he's a guy at a higher volume of snaps. His efficiency might drop a little bit. Um, who's going to impact the pass rush opposite Brian Burns on a consistent basis? That's what you strive for. That's what Pittsburgh just locked up um, with Highsmith and, and Watt. And look, it's hard to do. I mean, as Sean Payton would say, it's kind of a unicorn to find two premier edge rushers. we got to get Burns signed first if you're a Panthers fan. But yeah, I'm I'm all about looking at deployment. What is uh, Evero and, and even Dom Capers and, and some of the brain trust there on defense looking to do in terms of generating pressure? Because you know I like Yatur Gross Matos, and we've talked about him, but he's he's got to step it up. He's got to start finding his way in this league. I know he had some flashes last year, but I don't see him as the type of full time edge rushing threat yet that you know satisfies that need they didn't go in the free agent market early on and get anything they did uh go through the draft and we'll talk about that young prospect and look maybe amari barno steps up but i'm fascinated by how they're going to generate edge pressure i think they're they're looking at some pretty good pieces overall in terms of depth and and what they have inside on the defensive line i like Derek brown a lot of course shy tuttle's a good addition but uh what are you going to do opposite burns in terms of pass rush and i'm again folks not being negative just shooting it straight here yeah, I think they've done a pretty admirable job of rebuilding the interior of the d- defensive line with I agree. Uh, finding Shy Tuttle, Henry Anderson, um he he came back for another season. Uh Deshaun Williams, a guy who spent time with Evero in Denver. I yep. thought that was a pretty uh, nice little signing just for a you know pretty decent deal. And then and then obviously Derek Brown, Bravion Roy, two holdovers from the previous regime. Brown was um a top ten pick and brought Roy certainly has had his flashes as your traditional nose tackle type. Yeah. Um, but yeah, John, I just think like the opposite edge rusher position, that's going to be something to monitor. Now, uh, w- with respect to a couple things that you mentioned, Luvu, I, I expect to start uh, next to Shaq Thompson uh, at the inside linebacker role. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect Luvu to have much. Um, well, I'm sure he will have some responsibility, but I don't expect it to be a, um, fulcrum of his obligations uh, when he's asked to turn and drop into coverage yeah. in the middle hole spot. I, I think that's probably going to be reserved for Thompson and Luvu will be uh, intersected as a kind of like a box safety, just right in between that hook curl area. And then uh, certainly deploy him on blitzes as he's shown to be very effective in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, but the other uh, thing I want to mention uh, is the Mario Addison comparison. You know, one of my first like articles that I wrote like way back, like in 2016, it was for a website. Um, you know, I don't know if you know Sam Gold, who writes now for Field Goals. He had a, like a blog back in the day. And yeah, I know Sam. Yeah, so I remember like one of my first articles that I wrote was back then. It was Mario Addison should have a bigger role. And if you remember coming off that 2015 season, uh, they had guys like. Um, uh, you know, Jared Allen, uh, yeah. you know, the, like a lot of veteran guys and Addison was still kind of the, you know, for a few years uh, when Brandon Bean, I think, was the one who claimed him on waivers. Yeah, Billy, just that, you bring back some memory, not to interrupt you, but I remember like his first game, I think, was that Chargers game in 12 on the road. And yeah. I remember he yeah, like they picked him up from the Colts, I think. And that was a that was a Brandon Bean was the interim GM. And no, that's a great point. Now, Mar- Mario, man, he. He he had a motor now. Go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I was just saying, like, it, it took Addison like three or four years in that McDermott Ron Rivera system to finally kind of uh become a full time edge rusher. And I yeah. think that natural progression, you know, happens, you know, pretty favorably. And, and and one thing to remember too about Addison is like he was I don't know. I'm not sure if he was drafted or not, but if he was drafted, it was like a late round pick. So he didn't have like the um you know the f- second round status as like your tier gross models has so yeah. for me uh with respect to ygm and marquise haynes and dj johnson i think those three are going to be fighting for that opposite edge rusher spot mm-hmm. um but with addison it just it took a lot of obviously hard work on his end but experience and consistency in the system to become a much more effective run defender uh, because Addison was explosive as a pass rusher, just pinning his ears back and getting up field. But he had to learn some of the other um, intricacies 
when it comes to defending the run and playing contain, especially back in the day when you had a lot of mobile quarterbacks like Griffin and Kaepernick and obviously practicing against Newton helps in that regard. Yeah. Um, so with YGM Haynes and Johnson and Amari uh, Barno is certainly another name. I don't necessarily see any of those four as like elite run defenders right now. Well, I shouldn't say, I don't think any of our edge rushers are at that level, but I certainly don't see them as like a, run defender who can you know hold up on three downs i think that's important i think burns has certainly shown that he's improved in that area yeah he has um, but for the other guys they have to show it i mean haynes well yeah he has the production as a pass rusher he's situational i mean th- exactly. that's yes. that's what he is and look i you know that's no knock on him i've praised him for maximizing those snaps he's a sub package type of specialist he comes in and you know, pound for pound, he gets a lot for what he puts out there. And I think you're exactly right. What we saw so many times with some of these same guys on this roster, uh, regardless of who the coach or the defensive coordinator was, was personnel is always king. And I, I love some of these guys, but you could see on the side opposite Burns in particular, even Burns got washed up in this at times, not as much. There was that ability for teams like Washington comes to mind where they were just able to hit us on the edge. And um, that to me is as concerning. I'm glad you brought it up. It's just, oh, well, we don't have anybody else opposite Burns to get after the quarterback. I mean, that's kind of my opening statement there. I'll I'll kick myself in the ass for that. But you're right about the run game um, because you're going to be facing, look, Arthur Smith twice a year. Uh, You know, Tampa's going to try to insulate whoever's playing quarterback down there with a run game. And, you know, the Saints are always all about that, too. So in the division, it's it's crucial to be able to set the edge. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how that takes shape i will in base it's one thing when you get stuck in sort of a sub look and then maybe your bigger bodies are off the field i love brown i love what they got inside but again that other edge position you got to be you know big enough to hold up at that point of attack yeah i think Derek brown has certainly shown uh, a ton of improvement as yeah. a two-way uh, defensive tackle and a lot of the questions that i had and some of the other um you know, individuals who were scouting the draft had about Brown was his pass rushing ability, but I think he's shown enough in that regard the past two years to uh, certainly warrant that two way status. Um, the next position group I want to you know transition to remains on defense, but in the secondary, and um, you know it, it is a position group that you know the Carolina has certainly invested a lot of premium uh, capital in uh, the cornerback spot they gave. Yeah, they drafted Dante Jackson. The previous regime, or the Marty Herney regime, drafted him in the second round. They get, uh, you know, the Matt Rule regime gave him a contract extension. Uh, he seems to be, you know, entrenched as one of the starting cornerbacks. But, you know, one area that, you know, for as many people uh, like you and myself are very high on J.C. Horn, it's just been uh, the injury. I mean, you know, availability yeah. does matter in this game, and yeah, uh, you know, his, you know injury situation the past two years has I mean, i'm sure he's just as frustrated with it as you know everyone else but mm-hmm. um you know behind him i think it's a little bit of a question uh the individuals that are going to be uh, playing behind him because you know, if he inevitably does miss games uh you know how are they going to handle those that responsibility henderson has uh, in my opinion, he's had more lows than highs here and yeah uh, I, I i think henderson could be on the uh, roster bubble uh if all things are equal and i don't think that's uh, think, a reach at all bill by the way i think you're, you're yeah he's gotta he's gotta turn it up man and, and so what do you make of this situation at the cornerback spot i'm concerned uh, about horn's ability um not his ability to play the game i mean not not even his ability to stay healthy i don't want to get into the narrative that he's injury prone it's just crap luck things happen and it's frustrating for him it's frustrating for the entire unit i mean look we'd be having a whole other conversation perhaps about this team right now maybe for better or worse had horn not been hurt last year because we saw what happened in tampa and out go the playoff chances now maybe that was i don't know for the best but in the moment it's frustrating for a player of his caliber to not be there for you in critical situations down the stretch and knowing Horn, you know, a Gamecock guy down here, and knowing Shane Beamer a little bit, the guy's a competitor. He wants to be there every snap. So what I keep telling people on these radio appearances that, that I'm doing every once in a while, I was talking to our buddy Joe Dolan on Fantasy Points yesterday, and I said, you know, defense, man, the key is just if those three corners, uh, you know, or t- honestly, just the two, Horn and Jackson in particular, the, the perimeter corners, if they can just give you 15 or 16 games together, 
even if they don't go the whole distance. If they can give you what the offensive line gave you last year for the most part, continuity, with Evero and, and the rest of the guys on this staff uh, running and, and scheming and better teaching and coordination going on, yeah, I feel great about it. But Horn is the wild card. And look, Jackson too, because he's had his share of things. Um, I, I'm intrigued by what's going to happen with CJ. Uh, look, I, I don't know if he's going to get cut. I don't know what it'll take. I, I think, you know, whenever you got new eyes on you, um, you know, Scott Fitterer was a part of that trade, but Matt Rule is no longer here and neither is Evan Cooper. And uh, so everybody's under the gun. They, they talk about it all the time in the NFL, Billy, NFL, not for long. So I think you got to look for an opportunity. Okay, what, what's his role here? He's never really played nickel. Um, he's depth. And can he give you some value on special teams? What's his salary situation? And then, you know, guys like Jamie Robinson, who I think you and I spoke pretty highly of during the draft. I mean, that to me would be one of several guys that could step in if he performs well. And, you know, camp starts in a few days, so we'll see. You can't say anything until you see them on the field and then see them in the preseason. But if he can become sort of a diamond in the rough, like many think he can be uh, as a chess piece, but primarily as a slot corner, kind of that Captain Munderland role that we used to have here. That's something they're going to need because Horn, you can't keep pushing him inside. He's really good inside. But, yeah, Billy, that's, you know, I don't want to oversimplify it, but Horn's health is a huge deal for this secondary. Um, The dominoes could fall very quickly if he can't stay healthy because then Jackson is isolated. He's a very good player, but he's been, like I said, dinged up himself. And then if we're left in the same situation where you've got a very young but emerging guy that's trying to emerge, Keith Taylor, still having a hard time getting himself in the right place on the field. And Henderson, at his point in his career, still having a hard time getting that done. Um, then it's up to what's going to be, I think, a very good safety group to man down the fort back there. But uh, they can't do it all. you got to have Horn healthy. Otherwise, you know, look, guys are going to score on us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I certainly think their safety uh, personnel is very um, intriguing, and I think it's probably one of the better ones in the league with uh, the veterans they have, like Woods, Bell, and Chin. Uh, Eric Rowe, they signed this offseason. I think that was a pretty underrated addition. And he can play inside too, Billy. Eric Rowe, I didn't mention that. That's another possibility. And he has good experience on special teams, and he's played in quite a bit of a versatile systems in his time in the league. But yeah, John, I think like when you make a trade uh, to you know the draft capital that they had to give up to trade up to number one, um, it's just not realistic to mark off every single need that you have with with your roster. I mean, certainly, I think they've done a pretty decent job at addressing you know some areas, especially I think they wanted to focus on the support system offensively to make sure that uh, Bryce Young is in a pretty stable position. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. But but yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, certainly our questions are warranted with the edge rusher position. But yeah, I think equally uh, the cornerback spot because, yeah, I mean, we can't have a game like that Tampa Week 17 game. I mean, that was just, it, it was really difficult for those well, guys. And I felt bad for Steve it, Wilkes because those yeah. guys, I just, it, it, Brady was picking them apart. It was. And, you know, Tom, look, he can still do it. I mean, but you saw what happened in that wild card game against Dallas. It was an entirely different story because the Cowboys had a healthy secondary and they're very good back there. They got even better with Gilmore now. But as far as Carolina goes, you're right. I mean, in, in just an instant, it shows you the, the the power of that position 
in today's game to have a guy who you roll out there and, and times are good and Horn's out there locking it down and playing ball. And, man, that play he made against Seattle last year, you and I were texting each other during that game where he jumps off and, and, and picks off Geno and then he almost gets a second one. I mean, that's Jalen Ramsey type of impact. That's what they talked about during the draft process, that if you can get that for, again, 17 games is a long haul. I get it. But if you can get it for at least 14 or 15 or 16 and you can get the continuity with Jackson on the other side, um, it'll make a big difference. I will say this, you know, again, this is not to disparage the previous regime. We're glad we're moving on. But I, I have a high degree of confidence, as I'm sure you do, in this staff in terms of their acumen uh, at the NFL level of teaching coverage concepts and maybe getting these guys in better places. I don't know if that's going to make all the difference in the world for a guy like Henderson, but it's worth a shot. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. Let's see. It's Like Joe Person had said earlier, it's a prove-it type of year. Uh, maybe he emerges. I'd love to see it. But, uh, I mean, what we saw last year was pretty concerning. Uh, and then there's the, I guess, Jeremy Chin quotient too. I mean, what what will that look like? Will that look like Dion Buchanan from the, the Cardinals days? Um, I'd love to get your your take on that, Bill, before we move on. Because Von Bell, you know, can thump and he's he's right back there. And they're going to play some of that three high safety stuff. But what, what do you think about the, the Chin possibilities there in terms of uh, – in terms of deployment. Yeah, I think they're going to be pretty straightforward uh, with his deployment. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, mixing and matching. And I think that's probably a good thing because uh, in my opinion, Chin does his best work in the box and, mm-hmm. you know, Evero is a, you know, straightforward type coach. And of course he likes to, you know, have versatile players line up in different locations to really um, draw, you know, confusion. And, and I'm sure he'll do that, but I, I think that for, you know, Chin's best use of his skill set. I think it's mainly in the box, and you can certainly line him up everywhere. You can put him on line of scrimmage. You can put him as like an off-ball linebacker. You yeah. can use him in the slot. I mean, there's a lot you can do when he is kind of just near the line of scrimmage. But um, yeah, but kind of rotating him in the deep half, I'm not sure that's the best use of his skills. And, you know, frankly, I feel more, com- more comfortable with guys like Bell, Woods, even Sam Franklin, for that matter, yeah. uh, it, it, as a deeper safeties. Uh, but no, I, I think this is going to be a big year for Chin. I mean, he's playing in a contract season. Uh, he has to kind of, I think he has shown plenty of flashes and consistency. But this year, uh, with this coordinator who you know has NFL experience, it, it's going to be a very telling season as far as, you know, his future. Uh, yeah. He's going to be, you know, in the NFL for quite a few years. It's just, uh, is his play going to warrant an extension with this team? Uh, I think that's the biggest question yeah. that we have to. And learn. it's important on many levels because right now, this is what we kind of been waiting for. And again, I, I'm cautious as anybody. Look, I, I want to be fair because when, when Matt got hired, this is our fourth season now doing this podcast. It's hard to believe, Bill. But we were introduced during the, the, the pandemic and, and during the Teddy Bridgewater signing, and there were a lot of question marks. And I think we tried to give it the, the, the best possible perspective, but we saw some deficiencies right off the bat. And I, I think I'm getting a little punch drunk at times with how good this staff looks on paper, and I think it's going to be great. But these are some valid questions you've got to continue to ask. And I think with Chin, they're finally starting to at least a little bit at a time here give fans a little bit of hope that there's a core coming back together. And I know that's not necessarily central to the football mission on the field. But as far as culture goes, it's important to have guys, you know, the, the, the Burnses and, and Derek Browns and, and Horn, you would hope he would be a long-term guy. And then Chin fits that mold i think if he can really maximize his you know abilities this year and get that long-term deal offensively you're seeing the offensive line come together there's an identity um you're, you're seeing guys that feel like short-term rentals right now and maybe Thielen and hurst or, or maybe not so much but what you're hoping for for a guy like chin my whole point here is that the deployment and i'm sure it'll be just fine i'm sure it, looking back at that 2020 tape when he was up in the box he was raising hell like Frankie Louvu. I mean, that's kind of what he is, and, and he can do a number of things. Um, I'd like him to be one of those core guys. Yeah, I'd like him to turn in like a Mike Minter who's here for 10 years. Or, yeah, know, I think that's a good guys. comp. That's, that's what I'd love to see. Um, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I'm glad we, we got around to that because I've been thinking about that all summer, and I wanted to get your take on where we might see him. I'll tell you what, while I'm at Wofford, uh, one thing that's always worth paying attention to, and fans, you know, you should know this, is pay attention to where they're practicing. 
what groups they're in. Um, if Chin's over there with Peter Hansen with the linebackers and and working with them, and I'm sure he will be from time to time, then that'll tell you a little something about what what deployment might look like. Um, but uh, in terms of his skill set, yeah, he's much better in the box than in coverage. Uh, it'll be interesting. But Horn, man, God damn, I was looking at some tape this summer, Bill. <laughs> Just stay healthy. Just don't hurt your wrist and, and, and give him a good 16, 17 games of good health. And uh, the sky's the limit for that guy because he is as good as, as many thought he was during the draft season back then. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree with your point that you said earlier. I don't think that he's injury prone at all. I just think it's been a combination of bad luck. Yeah, you go back to him at South Carolina. I don't think he was you know, injured as much as he is now. And yeah. you know, unfortunately, the NFL is a physical game. Let's be honest. And there's going to yeah. be situations like this where very high talented, you know, super athletic players, which Horn is, if you could look at his athletic profile it's off the charts but uh it's just been really unlucky but you know hopefully you know the worst is behind him and uh he can have a relatively healthy season i think i think Um, just real quick billy like if if the the starters stay healthy and that's a reach because depth is everything in this league and and also just want to mention stanley thomas oliver's been getting a little praise here from dante jackson I, i do like his game but if, if your CB1 and CB2 can give you a full season there and your safeties are, are pretty much healthy throughout the year because they still have Woods, who I like, and Chin, and, and you can do a lot of things with Bell, that's that's a top five secondary, I think, in the league. I, now, that's probably a little bit of a reach, but that safety group is a hell of a lot better than most people think, and that's something that's been a spot of bother for this team before, and Horn is that good, in my opinion. I think Jackson will thrive off that if they can just stay together healthy, and that's, again... Control what you can control, Billy. I know it, but we're just, uh, I guess, cross your fingers for both of them. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that statement at all. And again, the biggest point is just staying healthy. And, you know, when you expand the NFL season to 17 games, it's uh, difficult to, to stay healthy for that long. And, uh, but yeah, fingers crossed. Um, offensively, I don't really have, I don't really think there's too many like key position battles. I think it's pretty entrenched as far as like the lineup it goes. Wait but, a minute. Wait a minute. The Andy Dalton Bryce young position battle uh, isn't a real thing. No, I'm actually more interested in, you know, the <laughs> Spencer Brown versus Raheem Blackshear running back. Three oh, yeah, man. Now you're talking my language. Uh, but no, I mean, I actually like Blackshear quite a bit. I think I he'll too. be a pretty, a uh, good special teams returner, but, um, but no, John Corbett, I, I think, you know, it, 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 there's an expectation that he's going to miss, um, you know, the beginning of the season. I don't know how long that's going to be, uh, but this is an opportunity for their third round pick Chandler Savala to really entrench himself as a starting right guard. Yeah, it really is. Now I know, you know, some of the conversation about Zavala and then Ben, we both loved his tape at NC state. I think our ears perked up when we heard that draft pick. Cause uh, you know, he played that left side with uh, his buddy, Akeem Aquano, who, who's got a big year coming up himself in his second year at left tackle here with Carolina. But yeah, I think he could kick out to the right side. You'd, you'd like them to be, you know, in alignment like they were in college, but I don't think that's a big issue. And again, the offensive line, just proceed with caution again. I'm not trying to be a buzzkill. I think Aquano, we need to see a little more from him in the passing game. We obviously know what he can do as a mauler in the run game, and I think he made some big strides last year. I don't think he was bad, but I keep coming back to that Rams game, Billy, where PFF put out the graphic. Or I think it was the Panthers affiliate. A ninety-seven point five rating. Yeah. And people, I, were, people were mad at you because you're trying to tell them. Oh, it's you know, I, I'm, I'm the punching bag of this fan base. It's fine. So I, I I went back and looked at the passing chart and pulled some film. I said, guys, just please understand that these are bubble screens. <laughs> it's bubble city. Um, I like Akeem Aquano. I, I love the pick. I, I liked it better than Evan Neal and the others at the time. And, and we'll see. You need a franchise left tackle. Well, as I've said all along with, with Akeem, there's nothing right now that's alarming me. I, I think he's got a lot of room for growth, and I love that James Campen is still here. That's a great retention to keep growing this young left tackle. If for some reason it doesn't stick long term, we've seen this with a guy like Eric Flowers or others, you can kick him inside. He can be a very good guard for a long time. He's going to be a great player on this line in some capacity. But more importantly, you're right, Corbett, one of the unsung heroes for a couple of teams out there, the Rams, first of all, he was quietly one of the best linemen in the NFC that stretch of years where they finally got over the hump and, and won the Super Bowl against Cincinnati. In fact, that no-look pass, if you go back and look at the tape that Stafford had on that game-winning drive, Corbett was the one making a key block there inside. He played like 1,100 snaps a year, and then the end of last year, you know, things happened. So we're hopeful, I think, as, as analysts and fans out there of the team, that he gets back in the mix. But 
good on them for getting Zavala, who they can plug in. And and then my guy Cade Mays, Billy. You know, hell, we 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 know we love some Cade Mays around here. I thought That's he sure. did some good things last year. They plugged him in at fullback, and he played on the line a little bit, and then they got some good preseason snaps. And so where they're better now is, okay, like two years ago, you're, you're hanging on by a thread with what Dennis Daly, and God love them all, they're all pros, and I, I they're athletes, and I'm not knocking them, but this is the world we live in. When it's Dennis Daly and it's uh, John Miller and and then you've got Michael Jordan, who's still quality depth now, but these are starters. And then Cam Irving's your starting day one for agency left tackle. Now those are positions where you can put a Cam Irving as your swing tackle. That's perfectly acceptable. That's actually a great spot for him. And I thought that was a pretty underrated re-signing. I loved it. And, and it's ironic for somebody who's pretty critical of him, but as a starter, that's a lot of snaps for a guy that doesn't need to be taking on that load. He's a quality player in the locker room. He's a good swing tackle. And, you know, Mays is there. Bozeman, they locked him up, and I, I think he's a very good center. Those are hard to find. You know, Khalil, that's a high bar. He was here for a long time. But, um, yeah, the offensive line, it, it's weird to do a podcast in this <laughs> time of year with you and be feeling good about it. It's like, okay, we can. Second straight year we've been. Yeah, it's like got a good James Campins there, and he knows what he's doing, and they can pick up stunts, and they've got good guys in the right positions, and Brady Christensen gets to play football. It's that's always a good thing. Yes, and I think <laughs> I think he should be pretty healthy. Uh, yeah. I know he had suffered a season-ending injury uh, late last year, but um, but okay, let's try to look at some you know individuals that might be on the roster mm-hmm. bubble. We already mentioned. Uh, C.J. Henderson and Yatir Gross Matos potentially. Um, I, I think Gross Matos should probably make the roster, but I, I'm curious actually if he could potentially be a trade candidate. I don't expect him to outright cut him. I, I think that he should somehow uh, be in the mix, and if Carolina receives an offer suitable to uh, replace him, I, I think they would consider it. Yeah. Now, offensively. What individuals do you think immediately? I have a couple in mind that one could shock you, but I well, might, might not. But um, when I look at this roster from the uh, skill position group, I think that the top four receivers are pretty locked. And that's Adam Thielen, Terrace Marshall, DJ Chark, Jonathan Mingo. Yep. You know, after that, it's, you know, a free for all. In my opinion, I think Demir Bird is going to make the roster just because he offers uh, something that the other four don't, and that's speed, and he has experience on special teams. Uh, He is a pretty good gadget-type player when getting reverses, tosses, screens, and I just think he's much more consistent because he's been in the league for a while, and he understands how to approach this type of uh, camp battles. Uh, in my opinion, I think Chenault and Shai Smith are battling for the final wide receiver position. Uh, and, you know, a few of those guys in the back end, like Derek Wright, Gary Jennings, I think they're all going to push them and see where it goes. But uh, immediately, I think Chenault and Shai Smith are uh, individuals on the bubble. I'm curious if you agree. Yeah, I I think Chenault's the interesting wild card here because it depends on the philosophy of this this staff and, and what they're wanting to do now I I I came around on Chenault because I think you know a lot of us when that deal went down we looked at it and said you know there are limitations to what he can do and you know hey credit to to Ben McAdoo at the time for deploying him the way he should be in the quick screen game and you know get him some easy touches and let him do some damage in space I thought he was a refreshing piece and you know it's the narrative out there I just um, do the old Madden switcheroo and change his position and put him at running back it's not that easy, but I, I don't know what Frank Reich's perspective is quite yet. I don't even know if he knows yet because we're not even in camp what to do with Chenault in this uh, passing game because, you know, it's it's a little different now. It's it's, it's a different flavor of, uh, you know, demands on the receiver um, in a Reich offense. And, you know, I, I think Thielen, look, in the red zone, I think he's going to be a tremendous asset for Bryce Young. I was going back and watching some of the games from Bryce the Kansas State game comes to mind and some of the other, like the Auburn game and, and some of the second reaction, you know, the, the, the out of structure stuff. Thielen knows how to find spots. He's very good at that. Chark, man, if he can give you health, like just like Horn, if he can give you, you know, 15, 16 games at least, 
we saw last year in Carolina what he can do. He can take the top off. He's got good size. So you don't replace DJ Moore. That's not the idea here. But what the Reich offense, I think, is all about in a way, and it's not too unlike what Andy Reid's dealing with right now. Um, well, of course, they have Patrick Mahomes. That helps. But, you know, it's not receiver by committee, but it's you don't, you don't have a Tyreek Hill. You don't have a number one true threat out there. But somebody could emerge. Mingo could end up being that guy. I mean, we don't know, Billy. We're very high on him. You know, he's an Ole Miss guy. There's got a, a pedigree of guys coming out of that college, like A.J. Brown and D.K. He's got that uh, Anquan Bolden type of frame and mold. So I think, you know, Terrace Marshall, big-time year. I mean, let's see it. I think maybe his progress was suppressed a little bit by some people on the prior staff. Maybe not. That's just a theory I have from observing. But the more involved he got uh, through the, the graces of Steve Wilkes last year, who finally said, okay, let's unleash some of our good players and let them play. Uh, you saw some potential there. Uh, so I think it's going to come down to six wide receivers probably. And I don't think they keep Chenault and designate him as a running back. Now they always could, but that's, he's, he's very much, you know, the, the diet version of, of Debo Samuel. That's what, and that's not a bad thing. He can give you value there, but I'll be yeah, curious to see. The only thing I, no, I mean, these comparisons have been running amok for like three straight years. I mean, people were doing it when he was oh, yeah. in Jacksonville. I just, my only issue with that comparison, and I'm not suggest. I, I, Frank Reich was actually the one who said it. So I know where you're going. <laughs> uh, get a, it's, it's just, let's not do this. That's like comparing. Because <laughs> yeah, Debo just, can actually do the real wide receiver things, right? I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 let's not, I mean, I know Samuel is much more explosive. Well, let me rephrase that. The, the the component of what Debo does in no, terms I of the totally quick get touches. What you're yeah, but yeah, it, look, we looked at his tape when he came from Jacksonville. And, and I think Josh Norris was even giving us a warning shot that the, the boundary is not where he's going to live. And that's no knock on him. Physical guy, and he's a tough player. But I, I don't know how he fits in this offense yet. I don't think anybody really knows. And, and the reason why I prefer Demir Bird over him is one, like Demir can do those same things, but he is a... Um, he can stretch the field and he can separate. And yeah, he can. Chenault cannot do that. Chenault's not a very good well, route runner. Bird last year burned Carolina in that, you know, DJ Moore Atlanta helmet game. game. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we got to see that. He he had some good reps in New England with, uh, you know, McDaniels and, and, and Newton out there. And yeah, he's been around. It's not like Bird disappeared after 2017. No, he's been around. He returned kicks. I think he's the last guy to ever uh, return a kickoff for a touchdown here, which with the new rule changes, that's, I don't know how important that is anymore, but. I could see Demir Bird. You remember Shy Smith, too. This is not a Frank Wright guy. I mean, these are all new guys to Frank. So he's going to have to make his own evaluations. Obviously, Scott was in the building for some of these draft picks. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and one thing I like about Fitter, I'll say this, and, you know, you get the sense from talking to people that kind of know what he's all about, and, and I've got that privilege now, fortunately. Um he's not like some GMs who like, look, if I, I think some guys in the past around here, I drafted him. I'm not cutting him. No, he's mine. No, I'm not doing that. I, I got too much pride. Some GMs can be that way. I think, you know, Fitter is a little more progressive. And I think it comes from his background with Pete Carroll and, and John Schneider where it really, you know, like I was listening to Pat Kerwin yesterday saying, you know, the, the Schneider way of doing things is like the Pete Carroll way of doing things. You got to earn it every day and it, nothing's given and it's real sincere. So, I don't think Scott would hesitate to to work with Frank if he says, you know what, one of your draft picks, uh, whether it's shy, whether it's a trade you made for LaVisca, I, I got to usher in somebody else. Um, there's enough respect between the two, but it'll be interesting. That's actually very underrated position battle, seeing that the bottom of that depth chart at wide receiver, and it could be critical. Yeah, I know quite a few of them were training with Bryce Young in Texas a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. um, so that was pretty cool to see. And um, But yeah, so... The next position I want to kind of look at, I mean, offensively, I, I think it's, uh, especially on the offensive line with Corbett being on PUP to start the year, I think it's very straightforward as far as, uh, you know, the individuals that are most likely going to make it, you know, health permitting. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, tight end maybe will be an interesting one. It depends on how they feel about Ricci and where he could play and be mm -hmm. deployed. Because I think uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, Hurst, Thomas, and Tremble will make it. Uh, you know, the question is, do they want a traditional, um, you know, guy like a Stephen Sullivan, or do they want like a fullback type? Yeah, yeah. And you know, you look at this group from top to bottom. Um, 
you know, our buddy Mike Kay, who writes for the Charlotte Observer, you know, he was on our podcast a while back, and he was on my radio show a few weeks ago, and he wrote a good piece about Tommy Trimble. Um, or Tommy just pretty much said, you know, look, we're finally getting around here the, the kind of coaching and, and development we need in terms of the real nuts and bolts of the passing game as tight ends. And that was kind of a revealing, if not totally unsurprising comment from from a tight end that we talked to Greg Cosell back there in the draft. We felt, hey, you know, he was a low-volume target guy at Notre Dame, but, man, he's got the athleticism. And you saw him emerge last year a little bit um, late in the season. But I think that that could bear some fruit there in terms of his development with some new guys in the building coaching that position group. Uh, Ian Thomas, look, I know they paid him pretty good money, and he's a really good blocker, and he's got to get a little more involved in the passing game somehow because I still stand by it. He's too damn good of an athlete to be catching like six balls a year. I mean, that's what it feels like. So we'll see what happens there. And then Hayden Hurst, um, I think he had a sports hernery, her, uh, sorry, <laughs> herny, Freudian slip, sports hernia <laughs> surgery. <laughs> that's not my problem. Hernia surgery. Um and that that was fairly recent. And, you know, he had some good moments in Cincinnati. He's been around for a little bit, and maybe he didn't get the number of uh, a volume of targets that, that he otherwise will now because he's, you know, last year, what was it, Chase and Burrow, and um, it, Burrow's throwing to Tyler Boyd, and you've got Higgins out there, and it's, it's hard to get your share. So maybe, as I've kind of said, if he stays healthy, he's not going to be Greg Olson, but, you know, what does Bryce Young probably enjoy as a rookie? Well, a little bit of a security blanket. A guy he can hit the the sticks on there, hit the seams, and can hit in the flat, and you know do a little scramble drill. Harris can be that guy. So, Ricci, I think you know, look, his best friend right now is his special teams coordinator, the holdover, um, Chris Tabor, because he's a contributor there. So, I think that's where he's going to make his bones. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you know you've got some other guys out there that could come into the fold. Um, I just I I want to see a little more from from Ian, man. I I, I don't want to give up on the guy, but I think. He got pigeonholed a little bit with that last regime, and maybe that's just who he is right now. But I have to believe that he and Tommy are going to get a little more involved in the passing game. You know, Frank is, has done that in the past, whether it's Philly or, or other stops along the way. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, I'm with you there. Uh, you know, defensively, I think, again, it's pretty straightforward as far as this roster um, and the position bubble is concerned. And we already mentioned uh, Henderson, Grossmatos, any other names that kind of stick out to you as guys that could potentially be on the bubble? Yeah, I mean, there's there's several. When you're talking about defense specifically here or offense? Yes. Yeah, defense. I I think you, you mentioned your Grossmatos, and I think that's you know I, I think there was some sentiment brewing there, just a little buzz that no nobody's down on him, but when you draft a guy in that position and the expectations are such. Uh, you got to see a little more. I, I don't think guys like uh, Haynes are, are on the bubble right now. I think Anderson's a lock. Maybe McCall. I, I don't know how many nose tackles they want to keep, although he had some flashes last year. Uh, when you look at the, the edge position, I, I would hate for them to give up on Amari Barno this soon. I think he's still got some raw talent. And I'm excited about Brandon Smith's development. I hope this staff uh, agrees. But they signed, uh, and I'm going to get his name wrong, is it uh, Cruiser Hill? The, the linebacker? Yes. Yeah. And he was productive. He had some pretty good snaps over the past few years. So there's depth there. You don't forget about Bumper Pool from Arkansas. Cody Alexander texted me, Billy, and said on our next podcast, he needs a Bumper Pool update. So <laughs> I got to catch up with Bumper at camp. Um, I don't I don't know. Maybe Keith Taylor or Henderson, one of those guys, if, if Rajon Wright can, can emerge in camp. It's so fascinating because we'll get through these first couple of preseason games. A lot of what you see at Walford, it's it's good for observation. It's good for getting a sense of, of what they're all about and what position groups they're working with and, and how they're working together as a unit and the communication. But until you get into those games, it's great simulation, and I'm looking forward to those uh, moments here coming up in August. Yeah, for sure. Um, now let's kind of switch to the opposite uh, conversation. You know, some players that we might be excited by. And for me personally – um, you know, the rookie class is always an area of optimism heading into the first training camp for pretty much every fan base. Mm-hmm. But I think it's certainly, um, you know, exasperated here because they traded up to number one for the quarterback. But it's actually not Bryce Young that I'm excited about. It's 
Jonathan Mingo, the guy that I've been really high on. That's your guy. You know, yeah, throughout the <laughs> that's, entire and draft that's process. Billy, that's and, been your guy for like well back in like January. Yeah, watching him at the Senior Bowl, those practices where he was, you know, beating guys like really talented guys like Julius Brents, uh, and he really showed out there and uh, carried it over to the combine with impressive athletic testing. And yeah. uh, then when I watched the tape, he just continued to really impress. But uh, very pleased that they took a chance on him in the second round. So he's definitely a guy that I'm excited to, you know, read the reports from camp and how he's kind of acclimating uh, with this offense. Uh, but for you, who's that guy that you're going to kind of keep a close eye on and that you're potentially really excited to watch and cover? Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm beyond stoked about the staff. And again, I, I'm trying to temper my enthusiasm, but it's not as a fanboy. It's about as a connoisseur as a football that we are for the past few years, this really feels like a serious operation. And I mean it. It's just, That's the number one thing I'm going to look at. I uh, get a glimpse at, you know, okay, where's Josh McCown in, in terms of working with the young quarterback, Bryce Young? And, and, and how does Andy Dalton respond to, to being the guy now that's he's doing what he did with Justin Fields, the mentor type of role? And, and Deuce Staley, again, the energy quotient out there. And a guy that people look to and say, damn, that, that guy played for the Steelers and the Eagles and he won a ring. And I can get behind that. I can respect that. That's with all due respect to the prior regime again. But it's a step up. It's a cut above. I'm not saying Frank Reich is, is a top 10 coach in the NFL. I'm not saying he's not. But I'm saying this staff collectively, when you look at it on paper, I, there's, there's a certain trust factor you have to have as a fan now. To say, okay, you know what? At least every week we're going in with with a good shot at competing with just about every team in the league because you saw this Frank Reich staff in large part, and Frank Reich himself coached some teams to some big wins in Indy. I know it didn't end well with Carson Wentz, but they went into Buffalo that year, that he uh, the year before he got fired, and they won a big game on the road. Ironically enough, in Buffalo, where Frank Reich had the big comeback as a quarterback. They won games against the Patriots. They had a big win on the road against Arizona. All this to say, look, it's not the Colts, and and that's not the Panthers, and I get it. But these are moments we didn't have with with Coach Rule. They just didn't happen. And and bless his heart, he got paid a good coin for it, and and he tried hard. And he's making good money in Nebraska. But the the most exciting thing for me, for fans out there, is – Okay, you got an honest shot now in a division that, hey, we knew this moment would come where Father Time caught up with somebody. Now you got a chance with a young quarterback who's got some special traits, man. Jesus. Now you got some coaching on top of it. Sean Jefferson, the guy that Calvin Johnson I just heard the other day on a football life was raving about Sean Jefferson as the best receiver coach he could imagine in the world. The little nuggets you pick up about this staff, that's my number one thing I'm really like geeked about is a football guy. I guess the other thing would be Hurst and Thielen. Um, and I know, you know, Marshall Chark and those guys, and as well as Mingo, we, we know the story with him, but I, I don't think Thielen is going to give you that 2017 type of burst. That's fine. I think in this offense, what he gives you is just a, a great element of knowing what the hell to do and how the hell to get open. He's got 30 touchdowns the last three years, Billy. And I looked at his red zone tape, and that's going to come awfully handy for a guy like Bryce. And, and finally, Bryce Young. I, look, it's the obvious. I, I, I've i gone back and watched more tape this summer and, and, and just some raw game footage from, like, ESPN and stuff. And, man, he's electric. And, and you know, the whole story about too short and, you know, this stuff, I, I get it. The frame is the big issue. Keep him upright and make sure he doesn't, you know, as Matt Bowen talked about with us, don't get that clavicle hit or, or get crunched by Vitavea. Just avoid those and and be smart with how he runs. Damn, he can throw the ball. And damn, he can read the field. And he's special. So um, it, it's a good time to be a Panthers fan and an analyst to the team as we are right here, man. I'm excited. Yes, uh, for sure. And, and, you know, as we look forward now into uh, this training camp, preseason, regular season, um, what constitutes for you, and we'll get into like our you know, predictions, win losses, all that at a later time after the preseason is over. But um, for you, uh, what constitutes a successful training camp? For me, number one is just health um, and yeah. watching some of the young guys kind of uh, progress, watching the offense progress. I mean, there's going to be days in camp, John, where, and I'm sure you've seen it as someone who's, you know, been 
on the ground in Spartanburg where the defense has a really good day. And, oh, yeah. you know, we've seen it when they had a franchise quarterback like Newton, uh, that the offense has you know, a good day, too. So uh, when you look forward to this training camp and preseason, what constitutes success in your in your eyes uh three things number one health um that's always at the top i mean you look it's it's survival mode and then you know the cba has has helped with that but it's always a level playing field with every team out there so there's an equal opportunity for somebody to get a ding here or a bruise here or a sprained ankle there and you just don't want those things the hamstrings are the big ones in camp it seems you know obviously the big catastrophic ones you, you hope nobody gets those around the league but Keep the receiving core, and especially, I mean, at this point, J.C. Horn, just shelf him until week one. I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with it, even if it has to be past that. Uh, Take good care of Mr. Horn. And and I would say this number two would be communication. Um, And again, it's way over my head as just a goofy football analyst, but, you know, we watch enough tape and talk to enough football guys to know how is this system operating in terms of not just the scheme and that's a whole other discussion we'll get into with the film study we do but communication what's communication like how are practices formatted what time of the day are we looking at the schedule's out it's mostly mornings as we see but there's a few wrinkles of the schedule i think fan fest is in the middle of a week and and there's different standards for different coaches and i'm interested to see not only the the layout of the practice and the formatting and, and the structure of the installs but the communication component. Who are the new voices out there? Two years ago, Billy, when I went to camp, um, 2021, it was the year after the pandemic. And look, I'm sorry. It's no disrespect to guys who are still on the roster. It was quiet as a mouse. And the days you mentioned before, the, again, the, the great teams now, they compete. And even when you're not in pads for more than maybe two or three times during a camp, it was Thomas Davis barking at Cam Newton. And they were going back and forth and Captain Mundelin getting in there. And, and there was that spirit of competition. And I'm not saying you have to replicate that exact model, but it has to, it has to be more than just you had a false start. Grown man, go run to that sign and touch it and run back. It's, again, I'm not trying to throw stones, but that's the spirit of competition that the NFL is all about. And, and number three, just positional kind of, quirks here i want to see where chin is practicing is he with coach hansen with the linebackers is he working back there in the secondary and yeah i'm i'm excited about deuce staley i I want to get as close as i can to hear him because you know what it's uh it's it's r-rated it's uh hide the women and children (laughs) it's not gonna be for all the ears but uh you watch any hard knocks with detroit last year yeah it's a fun little staff so yeah it's uh it's gonna be fun man but just healthy like you said well well said bill keep everybody healthy and we'll be all right Yes, for sure. Uh, anything else that you want to mention uh, as we close out here? Like I said, there's a lot of optimism right now, but hey, we've we've survived it. We've survived the worst of the worst here in Carolina, dating well back before Matt Rule ever got here. So we'll get through whatever's ahead. I just think this team's got a lot of potential, man. Yeah, absolutely. The potential is certainly there for this team. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely continue to uh, churn out episodes, especially with camp beginning next week and uh, like i mentioned at the top of the show and john will be there in person at spartanburg and uh, that will give us a very good perspective uh to hear firsthand you know how the camp battles are going because if you guys recall in 2020 for the real ogs of the pod we had to bring on guys like nick carboni to give us insight <laughs> and, and poor carboni at the time because of covid he had to watch from a pretty far distance oh, man um that was that was the rough episode no not because of nick but he had, i can't really tell you much exactly yeah. so nick will be back on with us too no nick nick will be out there and uh no, I I remember that episode vividly. Yeah, it's going to be fun, Bill. Yeah, you got to get down here to Spartanburg, man. It's it's a different kind of hot down here, if you hadn't heard. Oh, trust me. I am totally <laughs> fine in the air conditioning. Um, but I've been to camp a couple of times, and trust me, it's uh, the heat is certainly nope. a factor. Hey, but you know, listen, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers will be in Spartanburg. I can't believe I'm saying that, but th- that's... <laughs> Tell you what, the, the, there's going to be a loaded hill of hillbillies over there in Wofford, myself included, watching that because Hard Knocks will be in town. That's kind of cool. Yes, and for everyone that is going down, make sure you are hydrated with your electrolytes. Yeah. I can't speak on behalf of John, but I am uh, <laughs> I, I am trying to convince him to stock up on some liquid IVs and other electrolytes so he can yeah. stay 
focus the entire time. But yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, that's going to be it for our show today. When we'll be back very shortly, and uh, looking forward to doing another season with you, John. You too, my friend. Uh, y'all, thanks for listening to the Roar on Blue Wire. We'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy-five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over thirty-five, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.